It is Monday, December 4th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The 49ers win a battle of NFC Titans. And the college football playoff is set. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Packers topped the Chiefs 27-19 on Sunday Night Football. It was the 49ers dominating the Eagles 42-19 in a battle of NFC contenders. And Florida State gets left out of the playoff. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Oh, we have so much to talk about with yes. the college football playoff. <laughs> but let's start in the NFL like we do each and every Monday, and then we'll get into the college football playoff discussion. I know a lot of people are eager to hear our thoughts on that. But let's start with uh, Sunday night football before we get into this NFC uh, you know, battle between the 49ers and the Eagles. But the Chiefs and the Packers last night, I thought it was an entertaining game, and I think that's the best I think we've seen Green Bay look this season in their 27-19 win. I think so, too. I, I'd say entertaining game, but again, I, I left another you know primetime game frustrated at how bad officiating is in the NFL. It wasn't it's, just primetime, AJ. That was all day. It was yeah, all day. It was really but, bad all day. Like the entire final drive, like there were, I, I think there were like – the Sunday night football crew spent a good chunk of time after the game last night talking about the hail Mary and how there should have been pass interference, which they never call pass interference. They on the never hail Mary call it the there, yeah. But there were three much more egregious calls on that same drive that like the, the hail Mary should have probably never even happened because mm-hmm. uh, a, they gave Patrick Mahomes 15 free yards on a hit, a clean hit where he was yep. in bounds right at the the line to gain so i mean obviously they got to stop him try to keep him in bounds they throw a flag 15 free yards then there's an egregious missed pass interference call against the packers and then valdez scantling is clearly down in bounds and they say nope he was out of bounds stop the clock i mean just, AJ, even before that you had the 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 fumble that was returned for the touchdown yes. that how do you how do you just how do you call that a fumble it was so obvious that his butt was on the ground yeah, I mean, it, it's just it was error after error. And you know what? At least in the fumble situation, you kind of like you let them play it out and see. Which like, I always prefer them doing that. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. It was it's just a, a clown show. I, I don't know what's going on with officiating this year, but it's it feels like it's just getting worse and worse. And like I, I know there's like robot strike zones for baseball. We need to figure out something <laughs> for the NFL. We need robots on the field. Well, we need the ability for some sort of separate official in the booth to correct things in real time and like no not challenge not you know whatever but like if they see it's a mistake just correct it right away because we all see it watching the games on television and it's ridiculous that a league you know where millions and millions of dollars are being wagered on these games to not get these calls right it's ridiculous but the chiefs lose aj it's now eight and four on the season and if you look at the playoff standings in the AFC, they had a chance to be the one seed. Now they're the four seed right now, and they're behind the Jags. They're behind the Ravens. They're behind the Dolphins. You know, the division is is theirs because there's 
no other team in the division that's competing with the Chiefs, right? right? Even I mean, the Broncos are six and six, but they're not competing with the Chiefs. How good is this Kansas City team, and are you starting to see flaws? Uh, yeah, certainly, I've I've started to see flaws. I, I think I've been seeing flaws. Uh, I mean, you mentioned their division. The Chargers have scored as many points as the Chiefs on the season. Like they they've scored the exact same amount of points this year. Now the Chiefs' defense is obviously better, but this this Chiefs' offense is just meh. And you saw it, and you kind of saw it in the second half yesterday. If you take away Travis Kelsey, there's really no one else to beat you. Like Mark mm-hmm. Valdez Scantling is not a reliable option. Rice is not a reliable option. It's just it, this, this offense is very mediocre, and it's it's crazy to say that when they've got the best player in the world playing quarterback for them. But it's just what it is at this point. And the first thing I did, you know, uh, earlier yesterday. Uh, was like I think it was the first quarter of the of the Chiefs game. I said I- I'm betting the Bills next week, and I bet the Bills uh, plus three at, at even money. Or so I think it, all the three and a halves had basically dried up. But uh, but like I I think the Bills are are just as good as this Chiefs team. The Bills just haven't had the lucky bounces. Um, I I don't I don't know if the Chiefs are. A, I mean. I hate to say they're not a Super Bowl contender because, again, they have Patrick Mahomes. And mm-hmm. if anybody mm-hmm. can figure it out, it's Patrick Mahomes. But there's just not enough dudes. And you saw – and the one thing I noticed when they were showing that Hail Mary route over and over again and they they zoomed in on Travis Kelsey just running the route, he looks exhausted. He looks just beat down. Um, like he, he was almost jogging to the end zone on that play, the last play of the freaking game, and he's like in a jog. Yeah. I, I think he, he's got to be tired of just trying to carry this offense. And uh, and unless somebody else really steps up and, and starts to, to to really take some pressure off of him, I think it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to to do much this for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you could look around the league and just look at their opponent last night. Would the Chiefs be better off with the Packers receiving core? Yeah. Like, of, cor- of course they would. <laughs> Like, yeah. like there's you would take you would take Reed, you take Watson, like you'd take these guys over everybody on the Chiefs, with the exception of Travis Kelsey. And they're relying on an an older Travis Kelsey, yeah. who is clearly not as effective as he was last year when he was dominating. And teams are just focusing in on him, and there's no one else to pick up the slack. Now the bright side is for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I mentioned next week home against the Bills. Let's say, let's say, just for argument's sake, they lose that game. They're eight and five. Their remaining schedule at Patriots, home Raiders, home Bengals, at Chargers. I mean, it's going to be hard for this team not to win. Yeah, you know, twelve or maybe even thirteen games. So it's it's still going to be a good season. They're still going to be, you know. A team that everybody says is a team to beat in the playoffs, and it's hard to argue it. Like when when you've got Patrick Mahomes, but uh, there's there, this certainly doesn't feel like the Chiefs the last couple of years where you think, oh God, nobody wants to play this team. I, I don't think that's what they are right now. They're not the big bad Chiefs right now. But you you start to see the seedings, the way that they play out, though, and we could be looking at a Chiefs team that only has one home game in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's, and that's that kind first of been- wild card game. That's been their luxury the last couple of years is the, the playoffs have run through Kansas City and, you know, Buffalo's hated it. Cincinnati's hated it, but that's just the way it's the way it always seems to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, imagine you send the Miami Dolphins to Kansas City in January, like yeah, what an advantage you'd have. But I, I don't know that they're going to have that or the Jacksonville Jaguars. You send mm-hmm. them there. 
Uh, now, obviously, a lot of season left to play. And like, do I think Kansas City's better than Jacksonville and Miami? Probably so. But, but I mean, it might again, it might not matter. Home, home field matters a lot more in the playoffs, and particularly that one seed matters a lot. And the, the way it looks right now, I don't I don't know if Kansas City can be the one seed. I, I don't know that they're going to get there. As far as the Packers are concerned, uh, is this a playoff team in your mind? I think they are. Um, I, I don't uh, now that doesn't don't get that confused with. I think that they're good or I think mm-hmm. they can make noise in the playoffs. But I, I just think the way that the NFC is shaking out, there's so many teams that are kind of in that that soft middle. Uh, it, it's like the everything from Minnesota down to like, I guess the, the I guess even like the Saints and the Bucks. Uh, th- those aren't good teams. So it's like Minnesota, Green Bay, Rams, Seahawks, f- four teams for two spots. Uh, it feels like given the way that the Packers are playing right now, mm-hmm. they've got to be one of the teams. And and again, a favorable schedule because they're at, at the Giants next week, Buccaneers, at Panthers, at Vikings, home Bears. That's their remaining schedule. So, yeah, I, I think the Packers find their way into the playoffs. A lot of teams are alive right there at the, the 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 bottom of the NFC to get those six and seven seeds in the NFC. A lot of teams are alive, and it's going to be fascinating coming down to the the final stretch at the end of the season to see who gets those playoff spots. Right now, Minnesota is the six, and the Packers are the seven. Speaking of the NFC, AJ, we saw the two Titans play against each other. Not the Tennessee Titans. I mean the marquee teams in the NFC Titans. That's what I mean by that. In the 49ers and the Eagles. And this was an ass kicking. 49ers dominate 42-19 as they improve to 9-3. and Yeah, and it's funny. Like the, the first quarter of that game felt like, okay, the Eagles defense is, is doing something right here. And the, the 49ers just couldn't get any offense going. I don't know. I think Brock Purdy didn't have a completion in the first quarter. Hmm. And they they were negative yardage in the first quarter. And then the floodgates opened. And you could see that the 49ers, it was almost like they were playing with their food. They, they It was pretty obvious those two teams, at least yesterday, were not on the same level. And Nope. This isn't like I'm not sitting here trying to say like I've been telling you about these Eagles. I've been but the Eagles have been winning games that they didn't deserve to win. The Eagles Mm -hmm. have have had some really fortunate breaks go their way. And the 49ers said that's not happening here. We're going to make we're going to separate so far that you can get some lucky breaks and it still won't matter. And that's what they did. They dominated this game. Um, they knocked Jalen Hurts out of the game for a little while, and it, it, this was really a one-sided, a one-sided game. And they spread the ball around so well, which is is something that they do, you know, probably better than anybody because they've got so many guys that they can get it to. But Debo, obviously, a massive game for him. George Kittle got really involved. Uh, Jawan Jennings got loose on a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk got loose. McCaffrey, I don't know, I think he caught ten passes. So. Uh, it, it was just a, a really complete effort where they involved everybody. And obviously McCaffrey was great running the football again. Uh, it, this was just, it, it was men versus boys. And I, I really think, you know, I, I know the Eagles still have the best record in the NFC. I, I don't think the Eagles are even close to the best team in the NFC. I mean, the Niners are so obviously on a different lane. And this was in the Eagles house. That's something we have to remember. I mean, they they pulled their pants down in front of their crowd and like waved goodbye to them. This was this was really like a a, a showing of dominance. Brock Purdy finishes with four touchdown passes in that game, doesn't turn the football over. 
and Jalen Hurts had, you know, uh, not a, not as great of a game as Brock Purdy did. Well, I mean, does, Jalen Hurts had like a 40 QBR. Yeah. Uh, does, it, it was does, not a good game. Does Brock Purdy now become the favorite to be the MVP in your mind? Because I'll, I don't I'll think tell so. You, I'll tell you the odds. Okay. You tell me in your mind, does he deserve to be a favorite? In my mind, Dak Prescott is the MVP. Um, okay. But I, I, I could see Purdy being second. And I'll give you a guy who got in the conversation, I think, yesterday is, is Tyreek Hill. I mean, I know it's a quarterback award, but my goodness, this guy is just unstoppable. And he's obviously the the thing that makes that Miami offense go. Uh, he's a guy who I think if, if you start, like we've talked about Christian McCaffrey, but I think him missing that time probably hurt him. I, I think the dude that's like, a, as far as the non-quarterback division goes, the dude to watch is is Tyree Kill because it seems like every game he's, he's breaking off these huge plays and, and getting a couple touchdowns. So uh, right now I go Dak, Purdy, um, Tyree Kill, Lamar, Jalen Hurts. Okay. First off, I think the battle between Tyree Kill and Christian McCaffrey for Offensive Player of the Year is fascinating because I think that one comes down to to the final week of the season. Like that's that's how close of uh, of a race that one's going to be. Now, as far as the MVP odds, I just have one book in front of me. Okay, because okay. some of the books will update a little later on this morning. Right. I mean, we're recording this in the middle of the night here. We have still as the favorite Jalen Hurts at plus 300 Yeesh. plus plus 350 Brock Purdy plus wow, 400 second favorite. plus plus 400 Dak Prescott okay so yeah. it's a close three man race yeah I, I still where, how far back is Lamar Lamar in this book Lamar is 550 behind Mahomes Mahomes 500 Oh, I, I, man, I think Dak, or not Dak, I think Hurts and Mahomes took a big step back this week. Yeah. And I'm, obviously, Lamar didn't play. So he, usually, the guys that don't play, they're not going to move much. I got um, another book here. Don't know if it's, if it's, it'll change, but I got Hurts 250. Dak is the second favorite, 425. Lamar 450. And then Mahomes 500, Purdy 550. Okay. So shop around yeah. if you, you know, uh, it's, but, yeah, I, I to me watching Hurts yesterday it, it, with her, with Hurts and Purdy on the field on the, in the same game it wasn't even close. Yeah, wasn't close. It was the, clearly the better player yesterday was Brock Purdy. And now, I had a lot somebody, of that is I had somebody, I had somebody tweet at me it was like with all these dinks and dunks like like it's yeah okay yesterday he did throw a couple of short passes that got taken to the house but. If you look at his season-long stats, he's second in the league in air yards per attempt. Yeah, listen, it's not. I don't, I don't care how he's getting. I don't care how he's getting it done. Uh, he is extremely efficient, and he just doesn't make big mistakes. And that's what this team really needs: is someone to not make big mistakes. I will say, a huge difference between Purdy and Hertz is, I mean, Jalen Hurts. I said, and I said this before the game: he's got two guys to throw to. And there's not really a third option. And like they they miss Dallas Goddard so much right now. And you see with Purdy, he's just there's it's an it's a overflow of weapons. It's almost like when Tom Brady was in in Tampa uh, that that first year, the Super Bowl year, when it's like it's Evans and Godwin. And then they had freaking Antonio Brown and Gronk. And it was like you can't cover all these dudes. Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, McCaffrey, like you cannot you can't be everywhere. Uh, and that's, it's certainly making, it's certainly making Brock Purdy look really good. 
And I know people will say, well, anybody can play quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's system, but I haven't seen anyone in a long time play it the, the way that Brock Purdy's playing it. 49ers are your favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 320 right now. Uh, look, uh, Moving on, we have the Rams, 36-19 winners over the Browns. Joe Flacco got the start for Cleveland, 23 of 44 passing, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Matthew Stafford, 22 of 37, 279, three touchdowns, including a long one to Puka Nakua. Yeah, and the final score is a blowout score. This wasn't a blowout game. Like it, Joe Flacco, considering the circumstances, played all right, man. Like this mm-hmm. was a, this was a one point game, and it, it should have been a tie game. But the uh, Dustin Hopkins misses an, an extra point, uh, it, and it, so it would have been a tie game with like four minutes left. But the you know obviously the Rams are now or excuse me the Browns are now chasing a point they've got to go for it when they probably wouldn't have gone for it mm-hmm. Rams get a touchdown off of it and then they get a safety to end the game but I thought Joe Flacco played admirably and again it's it's like I said I'd much rather have him out there than than PJ Walker um, obviously they they miss that dynamic uh, sort of uh, side to DTR's game like being able to take off and run they they didn't have that yesterday and that was a, a big day a big deal. But overall, I, I thought the Browns, they, they did all right considering they were on, the, what, their fourth quarterback this season. Yeah. Um, I, I think that defense is, is getting tired, though. You know, I, I, they've, had, they've been the asked to do so a lot. Much, yeah. yeah, and it, it's just starting to wear them down. Right now, standings in the um, AFC North. Yeah, Baltimore 9-3. and three. I think it's their division. Uh, Steelers are in second place because the tiebreakers at 7-5 and five over the Browns at 7-5. and five. But in the playoff standings in the AFC, Steelers are the 5 seed. Browns are still the 6 seed ahead of both the Colts and the Texans. And um, let's, let's talk about the Colts because you mentioned the Browns missing an extra point. And so uh, let's bring up what happened in the Titans game. The punter, who is the holder, is out of the game. So Ryan Tannehill takes over as the holder. And after the Titans score a touchdown, which the extra point would have tied the, or, or would have won the game, the given the lead. Yeah. It would have given them the lead. He misses the extra point. Nick Folk misses the extra point. So it's 25, 25. And the game winds up going into overtime where the Colts get the 31, 28 win. If, it's a 26-25 game. Maybe the Titans hold on for that win. Yeah, I think more than likely they do. But also, like, you know, Nick Folk kicked almost a 50-yard field goal in overtime. I, I, and I, I don't... Well, I don't... You, saw them on, you saw them on the sidelines. They were working on it. Like, <laughs> every... As soon as they missed that, they went to the sideline, and they were just working on it. And, and you can see, like, Folk was, like, even telling Tannehill, like, after he would catch it and put the ball down, he would, like, go up to him and kind of explain, no, 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 I want you to do it this way. I want you to do it this way. So, because they knew it was going to come down to another kick and it did yeah. in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, listen, this, I think this was one of the more interesting games of the day. It was the one game when we did, when we went through the NFL last week, this was the one game where I said, I, I want nothing to do with either side here. I really think this is a coin flip game and it ended up being a coin flip game. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that, that Vrabel didn't get it done, you know, at home as a dog. This is this seems like the spots that he gets it done, but it was a little bit of Minshew magic there. And, uh, you know, again, I, I don't think there's a whole lot separating these two teams. No, but are you buying into the Colts as a playoff no. team? No. Well, okay. ooh, do I buy into them as a playoff team? Yeah. I mean, they're seven and five. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're in a position where it's more likely than not 
uh, you know what? No, I'll say no. I I don't think I don't think two, three teams from that division can make it. And honestly, at this point, I think the I think the Texans might be you know a better, be better. team, yeah, than the Colts. Although, um, you know, Indy I guess has it, a tiebreaker right now because of the, yeah, the win I, of the they, Texans. They play the last game of the season at Indy. I, I don't know he, that that could be for a playoff spot. It very well could we, be. We'll, yeah, we'll find out. Uh, let's talk about those Houston Texans who beat the Broncos twenty two seventeen, but unfortunately lose an important piece of the offense as Tank Dell is done for the season. Yeah, and listen, I've I've given a lot of love to Bobby Sloak, but having Tank Dell like as a lead blocker on a on a basically a mosh pit play is the dumbest thing I've seen anybody do. I mean, you've got you've got a receiver who weighs like 165 pounds. Mm-hmm. You, you can't you can't treat him like he's, you know, a, a tight end. It's it, it was a misuse of of uh, a, a misuse of your 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 toys, your weapons. And that's a That's a big bummer, man. And, you know, Noah Brown is solid and uh, they, they, I don't know that they can replace him. Uh, but Tank Dell is going is going to be missed. Certainly, they've got some young pieces that they're hope John Mechie. Yeah, they're Nico hoping... Collins had a monster game. Yeah, Nico Collins is the man on that team. Like he's the yeah. the he's the the guy. But Tank Dell was really coming on strong to me as the number mm-hmm. two. And uh, now there's there's going to have to be someone else step up there. But yeah, it, it is certainly a big loss, but a, a big win for the Texans as well. Who fi- like finally some of the turnover luck went against the Broncos, which we've been saying it's got to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Broncos luck finally runs out. It feels like the Bucks beat the Panthers 21, 18. They are five and seven. And in the disgusting NFC South, they are in second place, just uh, right behind the six and six Falcons. Yeah. I, and I think you saw, and I, I actually talked about this as something that I liked for the, the Panthers, uh, with, you know, with the firing of the coaching staff, I think Chuba Hubbard was going to get more more run. And oh my gosh, what a difference he makes! Just mm-hmm. giving him two the touchdowns, ball. yeah, yeah, twenty five carries, a hundred plus yards, two touchdowns. He was, you know, he kept them in the game. Mike Evans is an absolute freak. Seven catches, one hundred and sixty two yards, and a touchdown. Um, it, this was a this was a close game, though. I think it goes to show you that that division, everybody's pretty terrible and any given Sunday it's, it's yep. any of those teams can beat the other none of none of them are separating themselves none of them are good I can I know that for a fact not one of those teams is a good football team <laughs> somebody's gonna win the division though I and I mean I guess right now it looks like the Falcons are in the driver's seat but ugh, that's that's a very tenuous feel mm-hmm. Falcons beating the Jets 13 to 8 what so a game the Jets the Jets recorded a safety in the first quarter, when they tackled B. John Robinson, obviously in his own end zone, the Jets' defense has more safeties this year <laughs> in the first quarter of games than the Jets' offense has touchdowns oh in the God. first quarter of games. Let what that an sink embarrassing in. statistic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and now, I mean... They benched Tim Boyle for Trevor Simeon. And, yeah, and n- now apparently they're talking about maybe... Uh, Maybe starting uh, starting Simeon going forward, so uh, that would be their fourth starting quarterback this season. Mm-hmm. I, and I couldn't blame them. Like I kept thinking, it's some like it's they, they should have replaced him earlier in that game. Like Tim Boyle's cl- yeah. is clearly not good. Uh, I mean, listen, Trevor Simeon is not good either. But Trevor Simeon's a, he's a better player than Tim Boyle. He has to be. Um, so although again, he didn't look. He didn't look great in the uh, yep. uh, where they have three fumbles. He he lost one of them, but he he fumbled three times. Just, 
not not a great look, but uh, I, I think if you give that guy all the practice reps, he's got the, the best chance of having success when it comes to him, Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle. Uh, I, I mean, Zach Wilson's probably the best player of those three, but I, I don't think the Jets want Zach Wilson on the field anymore. I think they want to just be done with that. When Robert Sala was asked about, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's offense and why, like, you know, why is he still around? Like, you know, like, like, like don't you think it's a failure? Like, this offense is so bad because of Nathaniel Hackett or whatever. And his response was, go watch the all 22, meaning, like, players are open, but the quarterback just doesn't get them the football. Yeah. Uh, so and there was a not, case of that with Garrett Wilson yesterday. Yeah. In, early so in the it's game. Not that, it's not Nathaniel Hackett's play calling. It's that they just don't have a quarterback to get the players the ball because guys are open as they're they're seeing on film. But I do think, uh, you know, who's probably feeling a lot better about things now is, it, it, you know, the, the at the beginning of the season, the Broncos head coach yeah. had something to say and turns out like, oh, Maybe Sean Payton was on to something about Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Maybe he was. Uh, the Saints, they, they, you know, what a valiant comeback effort against the Lions. They were down 21 nothing in the first quarter and actually had a chance to win this game. But the Lions hold on to win 33-28 over the Saints. Boy, it just feels like this is the type of game that the Lions play. The High scoring, but the defense gives up points as well. And I feel like whether it's the Lions or their opponent, the game is never over. Yeah, uh, and th that's why it's hard for me to envision this Lions team like making any real noise in the playoffs because it, it, they do feel like a team that th they're just going to get in their own way at some point. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this was a – I don't know what, what is going on with Derek Carr. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Derek Carr next week. He's, you know, apparently there's like – concussion shoulder back who knows what what kind of injuries they are they ended up running some Taysom Hill at the end of the game mm -hmm. uh but it, I, I don't know if Derek Carr is the answer for the Saints like this could end up being a really disastrous signing I, and I don't know if it's him or it's Dennis Allen or if it's the the way that they fit together but the, the Saints offense is pathetic and it, uh, kudos to them for for getting back in the game when I, I thought they were long out of it uh, they, they made it a fight, but it, it's this isn't sustainable. Like what they do on offense, it's it's just not enough to to do anything. I mean, maybe you can make the playoffs because you play in that poverty division, but in, in the real playoffs, there's no hope for this team. All right, we move on to the Chargers and Patriots, where the Chargers win six nothing in a game where zero touchdowns were scored. The Patriots in the last three weeks, AJ, allowed six points, ten points and 10 points and lost all three games. Yeah. I mean, this was uh, one of my favorite bets of the week was the under in this game. And it's always nice to not have a sweat at all under 40 and a half. Um, I, it's funny because you got to give some credit to the Patriots defense to, to hold the chargers to, to six points. I mean, I I've made some fun of the chargers offense in the last few weeks, but Austin Eckler having 14 carries for 18 yards like they they took him out mm -hmm. of the mix completely like there's it's obviously there's some good things about this Patriots defense but I also think the Chargers said listen all we've got to do today is not screw it up just don't exactly. give them a short field don't give them a yep. short field and we're going to win and the Chargers needed a win so badly like they had to win this game not only did they win, I guess they cover. Covered the the, the closing number was five covered and a half, five right? And a half. Man, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, covered five and a half. Look at that! <laughs> it, it's a covering machine that Chargers uh, organization. 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Cardinals, they covered as dogs. They won outright, beating the Steelers 24-10 in a what a really weird game. Uh, Kenny Pickett is out. He's in a walking boot. He leaves the game early. There was not one but two weather delays Jeez. in this game. Long and ones. The Ste- long weather, not just like, you know, 15 minutes, like long weather delays and uh, have it with the fans clearing the stands, the players leaving the field. And I just think it just it kind of messed with both teams. To me, the, the concerning part of this game is everything that looked good about the Steelers offense last week completely reverted back to what they were with under Matt Canada. Now you want to say Kenny Pickett's out, so it changes everything. Yeah, I, I would say that's a factor. But the defense not being able to get off the field and allowing James Conner to rush for 105 yards and two touchdowns, that's embarrassing. And I know it was a homecoming game for him, and we probably just should have been hammering all James Conner props because of that. But I, I would have thought that this Steelers defense would put up a better fight than they did. Oh, you're absolutely right. And if you see the score and you go oh, 24-10, mind you, this was this game was 24-3. This, is, yep. this was really just kind of an ass-kicking. And if you're getting your ass kicked at home by the Arizona Cardinals, it, it, this, it, it's, it didn't feel like they were a serious football team yesterday. Like, I was watching, I was like, this. I can't believe this team's got – they were, I guess, going into the day, they were 7-4. and four. I was like, that's unbelievable mm-hmm. to me. And listen, Pittsburgh is much like Denver, a team that I've been talking about. Like Their luck has to run out. It's not sustainable to win games performing the way you do. The Eagles, too. And this was, I think yesterday we saw, like, when the when the Steelers don't have breaks going their way, boy, they yep. are not a very good team. And, and uh, you want to talk about not having breaks? Like, it's a 3-3 game. They drive the ball all the way down to the, you know, five-yard line, and fourth and goal, they go for it, and they don't get it. Well, yeah. And then what, they, what play and then do they, they run, and, Scott? They want, run the yes. same stupid play they run exactly. all year, which is run Najee Harris into the back of the right guard, and maybe he'll fall yep. forward. Well, this time he didn't fall forward. He just fell straight down. It's like they, they, there's no creativity to this offense. It is, mm-hmm. It's such dinosaur football. But I think that was a big pivotal point in the game because yep. they don't score there. And then with the Cardinals backed up on their own one-yard line, the Steelers' defense allowed them to go 99 yards down the field and score a touchdown to take a 10-3 lead into the half. Yep. I mean, that's pathetic. Yeah. That's pathetic. You you go for it there on fourth and one because you're telling yourself, hey, my defense is just going to get the football back and we're playing the field position game. We're okay. Ninety, You allow them to go 99 yards to score a touchdown on 15 plays? That's embarrassing. Well, and you have to wonder, you know, this is – we talk about it with Cleveland, and I don't know why we don't talk about it more with Pittsburgh. Is is the defense running out of gas? You know, like is the defense Maybe. starting to get tired of saying like, man – we can't like we can't hold every team to, to 10 points every week and expect to win like you see, the offense has to give us something you've seen Cleveland start to crack a little bit maybe this is what's happening in Pittsburgh because it's a, it's a good defense but there's just no offense and it looks like maybe they're they're starting to uh they're starting to, to feel it a little bit and Mike Tomlin down two touchdowns with uh I want to say at that point it was you know a three minutes left in the third quarter decides to go for a 45 yard field goal in in terrible torrential downpour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wet field, all that stuff, a 45 yard field goal, instead of going for it on fourth down misses the field goal. Granted the Steelers got the football back, but then they went three and out. But my whole point was you turn by the only benefit to kicking the field goal is to, 
make a two possession game a one possession yeah. game, right? Because you you're not guaranteed multiple possessions. Like you might have only two possessions, and by down fourteen, kicking the field goal does nothing because it it keeps a two possession game a two possession game. Yeah, and you're not guaranteed to have two possessions or three possessions. They they had two possessions after that. They went three and out, and then they had that touchdown drive, but it was too late because they were already down 24 to 10. So it's just, it, to me, that was a bad call. I think just the Steelers have a lot to, to reassess. It, even if they make the playoffs, we know they're going to be one and done. This is not a good football team this year. And I wonder what, what, what do we think about the Cardinals at this point? Remember, they were one and eight. They get Kyler Murray back. They're two and two since getting Kyler Murray back. They almost beat the Texans in Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they do that, we're talking about, oh, man, three and one since Murray came back. Uh, I mean, obviously, next week is going to be tough with the 49ers coming to town. But, like, I don't know. Maybe the Cardinals aren't the worst team in the league. Uh, you know, they, they, no. they're showing some they're signs better, of life. They're better than the Jets. They're better I, than the Panthers. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, the Cardinals, with Kyler Murray, they're not terrible. I mean, their defense is bad. Carter, but, yeah. listen, yes. e- even a bad defense can hold the Steelers to 10 points. That's what we learned yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, the Dolphins blow out the Commanders 45-15. Tyree Kill, 157 yards and two catches. Welcome back, Devon uh, HN, who rushes for two touchdowns as well. As Miami doesn't mind the cold, doesn't mind the rain, doesn't mind the you know the conditions, and they just continue to do what they do. Adrian. Yeah, and you, you know what? Kudos to their defense, uh, which is kind of – the big question about this team, I think, realistically, is is how good is that defense able to be? And the, the commander's offense or the commander's defense is bad. So, like the Dolphins putting up forty five is, it, it's not all that impressive to me. But holding the Commanders to fifteen is strong, uh, including a pick six on Sam Howell. Like Sam Howell only having in a game where they were chasing the whole game for him to only have one hundred and twenty seven yards. Uh, that says the Dolphins did a really good job. So defensively, maybe this team is trending up. I, I was wrong on this one. I thought, man, Dolphins on the road and weather, pff, no thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they put on an incredible show. This was a this was a good game for them, and and I, I think they're up there in the conversation now. With the Chiefs kind of slipping, uh, I still think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC. I I I don't know who I think is better between Buffalo and Miami, but I, I think after the Ravens, there's it's Buffalo, Miami, uh, it, it, the the Chiefs, the Jags. They're all kind of in a group to me, so. Um, the, the Dolphins are certainly in that conversation, though. One more game in week 13, Monday Night Football tonight. The Jaguars hosting the Bengals. It is the first Monday Night Football game in Jacksonville since 2011. The Jags were eight and a half point favorites when we talked about this on the Dream Pod. I gave it out as my four weight. They're now up to 10 point favorites wow. over the Bengals, AJ. Yeah, that's a big number. Um, I don't know how I feel about 10. Uh, I will say, I mean, Jake Browning's just not a, he's, again, I, I've talked about Joe Burrow before. This, I don't think anybody's more attached to their their quarterback than the Bengals. Like, the, when mm-hmm. you take away Joe Burrow, the Bengals go from w- one of the best teams to a, a bad team. Uh, even, even at least the, the Chiefs, they have a good defense. If Patrick Mahomes was gone, they wouldn't be good, but they'd at least be serviceable because their defense is good enough. The Bengals are just a dud, so it wouldn't shock me. I, I don't. The Jags aren't the kind of team I'm looking to be, lay big numbers with. Trevor Lawrence typically doesn't play all that well at home, um, so I, again, I'll, I'll sit this one out more than likely. Uh, I was on the under 
you talk about line moves that that lines moved against me so I'm not sure how to feel about this game I I thought it was going to just be a sloppy ugly defensive game uh with, Mm -hmm. with some bad quarterback play but it looks like there's starting to be some love for the Jags the since 2012 Monday night football favorites of eight or more 21 and 12 against the spread and covering by 1.7 points. There you go. So I liked it at eight and a half at 10. It might be too high, but Trevor Lawrence is heating up. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Last week was his best game. According to EPA and yards per attempt two weeks ago, his third best game. According to EPA, like he is, he is starting to heat up in this offense. Calvin Ridley's playing better. So uh, the only way I can look in this game is the Jaguars, maybe play some Jaguars props, a Jaguars team total, something like that. Because also for all the conversation about Lou Anarumo's defense, I mean, they, they've been bad this year. Yeah. The Bengals I, defense has been bad. And I think what they, what we've seen is they've, the dream crusher has happened for them. Like when Joe Burrow got hurt, they knew like it, yeah. it a slow start. It's funny when they started so slow and then Joe Burrow picked it up. It was like, okay, now everybody's like, yeah, this team, this team is scary. They're going to make the playoffs. And then as soon as Joe Burrow was gone, it's like, no, it's hopeless again. Like, that's why I say their, their, their fate rides so heavily on his arm that it's like when he's gone, it just feels like a hopeless thing. And I'm sure it feels that way in the locker room. Yep, absolutely. That'll wrap up week 13 of the NFL season. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1 and all of a sudden you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With pick six, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. The college football playoffs are set. And, of course, there is a lot to discuss, AJ. You and I had a heated debate, uh, which, you know, it's it's all moot now, but it was a fun conversation on the college football pod. And, and boy, everyone had their own debates yesterday on social media when the rankings were unveiled. The matchups are in the Rose Bowl, number one Michigan will take on the four seed Alabama. Michigan, a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now. In the Sugar Bowl, the two-seed undefeated Washington Huskies take on the three-seed Texas Longhorns. Texas, a four-point favorite. Right now, the odds to win the national championship, Michigan plus 180, Alabama plus 200, Texas plus 260, Washington plus 700. First, before we have the, the, the conversation, let me just say that it would have been really nice if we found a way to have it be Michigan against Washington in the Rose Bowl. Do you know, because it's the final year of the Pac-12 as, you know, it's the final year yeah. of the Big Ten as we know it. And to have the traditional Big Ten Pac-12 matchup in the Rose Bowl would have been, you know, it just would have been sentimental to me. But then people would have uh, been pissed off because Texas and Alabama already played. They're like, oh, we already saw yeah, that. Yeah, I understand. You know. I understand. I understand. But, you know, it would have been different if there was another undefeated Power 5 yeah. conference champion in there. And guess what? There could have been. There could have been. Florida State gets left out of the playoffs for the first time ever in the college football playoffs. We had an undefeated Power 5 conference champion not get into the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm I'm not totally surprised. You know, I I, I kept saying, like, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. And I, I, re- I mean, Florida State won in the ACC championship. They, they beat Florida the week before. They did what they were supposed to do. But no one watched those games and said, yep, this is a playoff team. I mean, they were running wildcat for the majority of the second half against Louisville. Like yeah. it was like no. And, and the truth is, no one who's not a Florida State fan or an Alabama hater, which I, I, there's probably more Alabama haters than Florida State fans. But nobody outside of those groups wanted to see Florida State in because we'd be talk. We'd have a month lead up to. Michigan minus 17 against Florida. Like nobody wants that at the end of the day, it's a TV show and it's a TV show that creates two more TV shows. And they had to put in the, the, the compelling television story and Florida state, unfortunately for them, is not compelling anymore without Jordan Travis. And but it's not just it's not just about them being compelling TV, AJ. It's it's about them being competitive. Yeah. And and everyone can, wants to talk about the resume and the resume is the resume. And and obviously if you look at the resume, like their strength of schedule was trash. Like the ACC was down this year. Like, you know, listen, if Clemson was a 10 win team, like it would be a different story. But the, you know like, what? Just, to, to their credit, they did play two SEC teams, neither one of mm-hmm. them at home, and they won both of them. LSU's a good win. Like, you know, so it, this you could say the schedule is trash, but at the end of the day, this isn't about their schedule. This was about no, no, Jordan that's Travis. What, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like this is this is about evaluating the teams 
as they are constituted right yeah. now. And right now, Florida State would not be competitive with Michigan, Alabama, Texas, or Washington. They are a different team, and and it sucks because it, I, I don't you know you don't want to say that it erases everything that happens earlier in the season. But what do we talk about with teams that lose games early in college football? We say sometimes those early losses don't matter because those teams are different. And when you and I were arguing about Alabama and Texas, th- this was my point. Alabama was a different team back then. They benched Jalen Milrow earlier in the season. Is anybody going to argue that Alabama now, the Alabama you saw against Georgia, was the same team that we saw in weeks one through four for Alabama? They are a completely different team. They're much better right now. Same thing, Texas is much better right now. Washington is actually a little downgraded right now. That's why the reason why, why Florida State did not get into the playoff can also be equated to the reason why Washington was a nine and a half point dog against Oregon because they were not the same team. Now, Florida State without Jordan Travis is a mediocre football team, a very good defense, but a mediocre They're football Iowa. team. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. That's what they looked like on that's what they looked like on Saturday night. They looked like Iowa football. It, and listen, it's not as simple as is it the four because honestly, I I don't think the committee put in the four best resumes. And I don't think the committee put in the four best teams. There's nuance to these discussions. And the nuances meant that they they were going to put in the SEC champion over an unbeaten Florida State. That's what it came down to. Because the truth is, you you can't say it's the four best teams because Georgia would be favored on a neutral against every team that made the playoff. So still, I think Georgia is probably still the best team. They didn't make Mm -hmm. the playoff. No one's crying tears for Georgia, though. You know, because and and I'm not I'm not certainly because in my opinion, like Alabama, Georgia was a quarterfinal game, just like Oregon. Washington, you have to win your quarterfinal game to get into the playoffs. Like, that's why, like, I've, I've always been against an expanded playoff because like we see these games are playoff games. So like Michigan, Ohio State was a playoff game. The loser of that game is eliminated. The winner moves on. Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship game was a playoff game. The winner moves on. The loser is eliminated. It's as simple as that. And for Florida State complaining about a 13-0 season that doesn't get in, well, you know, go talk to UCF. Go talk to Liberty. Go talk to other Cincinnati. Go talk to teams that it's not like it's not like we've never seen a team go undefeated and not get into the college football playoff. We've just never seen it from a Power 5 conference and with a down year of the ACC and Without a quarterback, it's just you're the you don't deserve to get in. I'm sorry. Think back to the year where Auburn went undefeated in the SEC and got left out of the BCS, like when it was a there. Yeah. You know, there was there was the three way. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's not unprecedented to me. The the real comp that came to mind was when Kenyon Martin was at Cincinnati and they were the best team in the country, and Kenyon Martin mm. broke his leg in the in the conference tournament, and the committee said you're not a one seed anymore. And people lost their mind. How can they not be a one seed? They were the best team all year. Well, because mm-hmm. the best player in the country wasn't going to play in the tournament. And sure enough, I think Cincinnati lost in the second round that year. And it's like they were never going to be the same team without Kenyon Martin. Florida State was never going to be the same team without Jordan Travis. And not only like we saw it twice, we saw what it looked like with our eyes twice. That was the worst part of it. And Jordan Travis said something, and I felt bad for him for having to say it, but he's like, I wish I would have broke my leg earlier in the season so they could have seen that our team is is great without me. 
which yeah. but we we they had two chances to show they were great and they didn't look great once. So uh, and and you know what? And I'll be the first to say if they beat Louisville by 30 points, this doesn't and, happen. And it doesn't they're in the playoff. If they beat Florida by 20 points by three touchdowns or whatever and Rodemaker threw for three scores and all that stuff or you know had a had a monster game, like it it just this isn't a discussion. Like it but the fact is is that they struggled against Florida, and they were fortunate to come away with a win. In that game, Rodemaker goes 12 of 25 for 134 yards, doesn't throw a touchdown, right? And then in the championship game against Louisville, like, Louisville's not a great defense. No. You score 16 points. You're down to your third-string quarterback who goes 8 of 21 for 55 yards. And you're running the Wildcat. <laughs> and you're running the Wildcat because you have no other options? Like, yeah, it would have been nice if Louisville won that game because then this doesn't even have to be a conversation. But I think even going into that game, we knew that this was the conversation. And Florida State, unfortunately, without Jordan Travis, is a, like I said, they're a mediocre football team. You called them Iowa. They're pretty much Iowa. Yep. They're capable of winning because their defense is fantastic. But though it's they would be severe underdogs against the four teams that are in the playoffs. And, and the truth is, honestly, nobody wants to watch it. Nobody wants no, like yeah. the, the, w- watching the the Louisville game wasn't fun. It's nope. it's not good football. Nobody wants to see it. Uh, it's just like nobody wanted to see Iowa play in the Big Ten championship game. Like everybody would much rather seen Michigan play Ohio State again. It would have been a much more entertaining game. Is it fair that you get you get docked for not being entertaining, not being explosive? I don't know, but but th- that's why we have this committee. The the committee's got to decide. Like and. They they made their decision, and I don't disagree with it. I do. I think it's fair to Florida State. No, but you know what? It was going to be unfair to somebody, and it would it have been fair to Alabama to leave them out because had they played the non conference schedule that a bunch of these other teams played, that they'd be undefeated. That wouldn't be fair. Uh, is it would it be fair to leave Texas out who beat Alabama in the non conference? That wouldn't have been fair. No, nope. somebody was going to get shafted, and the committee shafted the team that they thought brought the least to the table. Now and would be the least competitive. Yeah. So like what they said, okay, playoffs in four weeks, which one of these teams is, is going to be the most, and let's be honest. If, uh, if Jalen Milrose head fell off in the middle of the sec championship game yesterday or, or Saturday, I, I don't know that. I don't know that Alabama gets in. I think they probably say, Oh, well, mm-hmm. Florida state's in because Jalen Milrose is not there. I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you the, 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 the comp. And this is for people that might not be college football fans. They might just be like, you know, generic sports fans. And they see this conversation. They're like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. And let me make it. Let me help it make sense to you. What's your opinion of the New York Jets right now? They're awful. They're awful, right? They're absolutely awful. Do they have talented players? Sure. Tons. They have like like all they have like all pro caliber players, right? Is their defense like one of the best in the NFL? It is. Absolutely. But the Jets are an awful football team right now that if the networks had their choice, do not want them in primetime. And the Jets are underdogs against everybody that they play against, right? Yeah. But in week one of the season, before Aaron Rodgers get got hurt, what was your thoughts of the New York Jets? There, there was optimism. They were there was exciting. Contenders, was, right? Yeah, they were gonna be contenders. Contenders. And you know what? Three months ago, Florida State was a contender. Yeah. Right now, Florida State is not. And that's the easiest way that I can explain it to you. And listen, you're a Jets fan. Are you excited to watch the Jets play every week? 
Nope. No, no one, no one is. It's not, nope. it's not fun football anymore. And it, it, again, it is fun something to like, it, like to make a final decision on. No, but if everything else, like if, if it's, there's a discussion and there's a debate, it certainly has to go in the cons category. And like you said, they just, we just don't think they can compete. Somebody on my Twitter on Saturday, when uh, Xavier Worthy got hurt in the Texas game, he left the game, uh, he got his ankle rolled up. I think he's, you know, did day to day with an ankle sprain. But they were like, well, if Xavier, if Xavier Worthy's out, does Texas get left out of the playoff like like Florida State did? And I was like, well, first of all, no, he's a wide receiver. Xavier Worthy's not worth ten <laughs> points to the point spread. Like he's not the yeah. he's not the end all be all. Uh, it's just it, you have to have when you have these discussions. There's it, there's nuance to them, and if there's not, then there shouldn't even be a committee. Like, what's the point? What yeah. what are they sitting in there discussing? Like. They, you have to use some common sense sometimes. And I think common sense said, listen, we understand this sucks for Florida State. They had a great season, but they are not one of the, they're not going to be competitive in this group. And I'll be honest, if the last two seasons we didn't get, we didn't see Cincinnati get humiliated two years ago. And then last year we had like the least competitive championship game of all time where people were leaving the game at halftime, turn, like leaving the stadium turning off their TVs at halftime, I think maybe there'd be a different conversation. But the playoff committee is like, we need to have competitive games. We, we That's what we need. We need competitive games. Yep. And Florida State wouldn't have given one. Well, uh, moving on, and we'll have plenty to discuss with the college football playoff and all the bowl games. We'll preview them as we uh, move on. We'll also have the college football podcast and RJ Bell's dream preview to break it Plus, down. Plus, it's Army-Navy we'll- week, Scott. Exactly. So we got to talk about the under in that game. 27 and a half. That's that's Ooh. fun. Uh, yeah. But um, Heisman Trophy will be awarded this weekend. The voting deadline is today. So you got to hand in your votes. Jaden Daniels is now minus 1200 wow. to win the Heisman. Well, Michael Penix is plus 900 and Bo Nix is plus 1500. Now, let me just say this. I think there's egg on I my face. Know, well, let, let me say this, though. I know that like. Oregon lost the football game, but Bo Nix threw for 239 yards and three touchdowns and rushed for 69 more yards. The fact that he went from the favorite to now plus 1500, a little bit ridiculous to me. Uh, and they, and they lost 34, 31. Okay. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Like Bo Nix, like, did he, did he play that? Did he play badly? No, like, but uh, he got outplayed by someone else who's in the conversation head to head. Like Michael Penix outplayed him. I, I get, uh, yeah, three hundred and nineteen yards, only one touchdown, one interception. Like, actually, you know, I think Bonix threw for three touchdowns. Like, yeah. and he rushed for sixty nine yards. Like, he played good enough to keep himself as the Heisman favorite. I just don't get it. Like, Jaden Daniels didn't play a game. So, like, he didn't do anything to improve his stats, and I don't think Bo Nix did anything to deter his stats. You know, I'm going to place a little bit on Bo Nix at plus 1,500. I, I don't hate it. Um, I think there – the J- Plus, I think there's voters that might have submitted their votes earlier already. That's entirely possible. I, and I, I just go back to – listen, Jaden Daniels had a f- phenomenal season. If this, Like, I, I do I think he had the best statistical season? Yes, and it's not even really close. But of the 50 touchdowns he accounted for, 17 of them, over one-third of them came against Grambling, Army, and Georgia State. And the I, I really think Georgia State, where he had the eight touchdowns, I think that turned people off. 
if anything. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, people were like, it's kind of it, it just felt kind of gross. But the the odds say that people are going to vote for him. Um, I, I if I don't have a Heisman vote, if I did, it would it would go to Michael Penix. Um, but Penix led Penix led the nation in passing four thousand two hundred and eighteen yards. Bo Nix second. 4,145, Daniels was 3,800. Completion percentage, Bo Nix, 77.2. Absolutely ridiculous. Touchdowns, Bo Nix, number one, 40 to just three interceptions. Jaden Daniels, 40 to just four interceptions. How about this? Jaden Daniels sacked 22 times. Bo Nix sacked only five times. And then in terms of, you know, rushing the the, the football, you know, like, all right, well, I guess, you you know, Jaden Daniels, had a monster uh, season rushing the football. He had 10 rushing touchdowns, 1,100 yards rushing the, the ball. Okay. Uh, Bo Nix, what did he finish with? Let's see. Bo Nix, not as many as Jaden Daniels, obviously. Uh, but Bo Nix did fine rushing the football. He rushed for six touchdowns on the year. Yeah, I again, and I think these conversations all have, just like the playoff conversations, there's nuance to them. I can't. I can't, in good conscience, say Bo Nix deserves the award more than Michael Penix because Michael Penix beat him twice, and yep. I, I I know it's not a team award, and that's what LSU fan will tell you. It's not a team award, but Michael Penix didn't lose a game. His team did not lose a game. He played at an elite level, um, and he beat Bo Nix, the uh, one of the other three Heisman contenders, twice in the same mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's who my vote would go to. But it, again, if you're going by the odds, looking more and more like Jane Daniels is going to win it, which had you asked me, and I think I tweeted a, a three weeks ago or something like that. It's impossible for him to win it, but yeah, uh, egg on my face. It, w- it was possible. Uh, all you got to do is just run up some massive numbers against Georgia state and you're in. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. Uh, again, more college football conversation as far as the bowl games are concerned and the playoffs on the College Football Dream Preview on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. NBA Cup quarterfinal action tonight, AJ. Two games on the schedule for tonight. Two more for tomorrow night. Tonight in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics are at the Pacers. Boston, a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. Your thoughts on that game? I mean, listen, these games matter now. Now we're we're serious about the NBA because now it's, you know, quarterfinals this isn't just some sort of uh you know round robin where everybody gets a little something no this is this is for real now uh this is a tough one for me the the celtics that's a big number to lay on the road i think obviously they're the better team um and i normally with the pacers the first thing i do is look at the over but i do wonder if if teams are going to take this game a little more seriously and it's you know when when games are taken a little more seriously you start to see defense matter a little bit more so um it's a pass for me, uh, a, le- a lean to the Celtics, but five and a half is, is too much for me to play on the road. So these two teams played earlier in the season. It was like the fourth or fifth game of the year. Boston was a 12 and a half point favorite at home. They won the game 155 to 104. Yeah. I think I like Boston here. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> I mean, Boston and Vegas in the semifinals, like it's a better TV product, right? Uh, yeah, it would certainly be a better TV product. <laughs> in the Western Conference, your quarterfinal matchup tonight, the Pelicans at the Kings, Sacramento, a four-and-a-half-point home Yeah, I, I like the Pelicans catching the points here. Um, they have, they've, they've played well against the Kings recently. Uh, they, they won five of the last seven matchups against the Pelicans, and they're healthy right now. 
um, as healthy as they've been in, in quite some time. So uh, with a healthy Zion, I, I, I lean to the Pelicans getting that, that number here. I may actually I may actually dabble on the Pelicans today. Yeah, two straight games they played uh, both in New Orleans uh, about a week or so ago, and uh, Pelicans win 129-93 and 117-112 in both of those games against the Kings. So, I mean, you do have home revenge here with a trip to Vegas yeah. on the line, so I don't, I don't know, but just the two games tonight for the NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals. Not a whole lot going on in top 25 action yesterday in college basketball. James Madison played something called Keystone. Uh, they won 130 to 59. I'm, I'm not sure if there was a line, but if there was, I'm guessing they covered. Uh, Creighton beat their in-state rivals, Nebraska. It's corn, 89 to 60. <laughs> and Southern University goes into Mississippi State and knocks them off 60 to 59 ugly loss for Miss State against a Southern team that was one and six, has not played a home game yet this season, went into Starkville and got themselves a win. So uh, congrats to Southern. Two games in top 25 action tonight. Purdue, number one Purdue, at least for now. Uh, I'm guessing later today they are no longer number one Purdue. But it, as of this moment, number one Purdue trying to bounce back from their loss to Northwestern. It's funny. I think on Friday's show, I said, there's something fishy about this line. I wanted to back Northwestern. The number came in a lot shorter than I expected. So I'm staying away. Hmm. Northwestern gets it done outright. Uh, Purdue is a 12 and a half point favorite against Iowa. The total, something I would look at here, 164 is the total. This feels like it's got track meet written all over it. Uh, these teams played to a game at 160 last year. Both teams playing significantly faster than they did a year ago. So I think this is an up-and-down game. Iowa doesn't really have an answer for Zach Eady, and Purdue's not really a good defensive team. So uh, you should see plenty of points here. Elsewhere in the top 25, Alabama, minus 24-and-a-half against Arkansas State, total of 164-and-a-half. Then I, I don't have a great feel for that number. Arkansas State's dreadful. Um, but Alabama, this is—it's all a matter of do, do they want do they want to cover this number or not? On the ice tonight, the Stars are at the Lightning. Tampa Bay minus one ten, so it's a pretty even split both ways. Dallas eight one and two on the road this season should be a tremendous matchup. Good goaltending matchup should we get Vasilevsky in this one uh, for Tampa. The Penguins are at the Flyers. Pittsburgh's minus 135 on the road. Kraken are in Montreal to take on the Canadiens. Seattle, a minus 155 favorite. The Hurricanes are at the Jets. Carolina, minus 125. Capitals continue their Western trip. They are at the Coyotes in Arizona, minus 115. Washington was, a, I gave out a three-star over the weekend on the Golden Knights, laying a goal and a half at plus money because I watched Washington play two straight games against the Kings and Ducks and get severely outplayed in both of those games and still come away with nice. wins. And I just thought that their luck was going to run out. You know, you get outplayed two games in a row and you still win. Like the Eagles. And I'm like, that's not... Yeah, it's just not it's not going to happen against Vegas. And uh, VGK got it done for me on uh, Saturday night. And so we'll see if the Capitals can bounce back in Arizona tonight. Speaking of VGK, the Knights will host the Blues and Vegas, a minus 200 home favorite over St. Louis. Make sure you guys head to pregame.com. Still take advantage of the promo codes we are offering to you. Uh, still available right now. Winter 20. 
winter 20 you can take 20 percent off at pregame.com use that promo code winter 20 to take 20 percent off your purchase at pregame.com for aj hoffman i'm scott sedenberg we are straight out of vegas am